This is the On Blast Podcast NFL Picks Edition. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and as always, I'm joined by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell, betting writer for The Score. Mr. Russell, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, buddy. Getting into the holiday season. We just talked off camera about some of the perils of the holiday season, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm excited. We got some really awesome weekends coming up here when it comes to college football and and, of course, the NFL uh, the electric triple header Saturday in the NFL, right? Just in case anybody wanted to sort of steal a day, whether, you know, college bowl games, maybe a little college basketball, obviously NBA, NHL, just in case you wanted the stage on a Saturday around the holidays, the NFL is like, nope, sorry, we're going triple header, <laughs> deal with it. And even a couple of decent games in there as well. It is funny the way that the NFL just continues to take over the world essentially like i was going to say the sports world but i feel like you know shutting saturdays down if you thought you were going to have a saturday off maybe i'll go do some christmas shopping maybe i'll go do who knows what the nfl's like nah (laughs) we got you we got you no matter what um pretty funny stuff going on here as you know it's always funny doing this and then realizing oh yeah there's games on thursday and then games on saturday we're at that official point of the year where the madness continues to steal a term from somewhere else but you know what i'm saying here yeah and still a robust like sunday slate obviously no buys right so like that's where all all of the teams essentially not literally from a literal team standpoint but like the six teams that were off last week oh guess what six six teams are playing on saturday right Mm -hmm. and so you're looking on sunday and you're like well there's got to be some kind of a a, a, you know lull there it's like no six games at one o'clock four games at four o'clock like we're still going your balls to the walls, so to speak. Oh yeah. Full slate of games. And for people who might be new to this, the on blast podcast, we are not familiar with what we do here. I'll come out. I'll make a pick on one side or the other. Then my guy, Matt Russell comes in with the information and education that you so crave to let you know where the line was, where it is, and where it could be going, heading into kickoff. There's a lot of times where my guy ends up convincing me to switch my pick and hopefully switch your pick at home and we all end up enjoying our Sundays. That's a hope anyways. And if you've been following along on the pod, got to say it, things might be going pretty well for you as we are fresh off of a nine and four week on the Sheldon Says against the spread picks here. Season total, 116 83 and nine. I'm going to say that and repeat it again, just because I stare at it multiple times over to make sure that I'm not making a mistake. Cause it definitely seems like a mistake. Can't lie to you, but here we are 116, 83 and nine on the season, just continuing the cook. And every time we do this at the start of the pod, I try not to focus in on it too much because you know, Hey, crazy time of year. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay above water and not have the blow up weeks also not having to blow up weeks. And this kind of leads into what we were talking about last week. San Francisco 49ers, Thursday night football. They were trying to avoid not having a blow up week with Jamans Brock Purdy stepping into action. And we sat here last week talking about how, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo's gone. Is Brock Purdy going to be way worse than Jimmy Garoppolo? 
we didn't really think so. We sit here easily on the Niners at minus three and a half, and they blow out the Bucks, which I know is a big thing for you in terms of why are anyone still betting on the Bucks? Right? <laughs> yeah, which we'll get to. We'll get to. We'll get to. But Niners minus three in Seattle. I'm going to be on the Niners again here. I think this is a big game. This is essentially for the division. I know there's another. There's more things that could work out, but if the Niners win this game, you're looking at a very solid place or footing in the uh, NFC West. I'll be on the Niners minus three because I just think the way that they're cooking right now, that defense is going to be looking at uh, Geno Smith, and he might be in some problems. And we've seen Brock Purdy, just keep it simple, keep it moving. Everything should be all right. Niners minus three. What say you, my friend? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, you're right, right? Like they'd be up three three games up with three to go. Like I'm pretty sure, and, you know, and, and I believe – tiebreaker right division record imagine yeah. that that's uh that's well in hand um but you know that still means that seattle thinks they have a chance right like that it's it's as important to seattle you know honestly arguably more important to seattle because they have a bunch of teams kind of breathing down their neck in the whole wild card scene right which is just mm -hmm. a complete sweepstakes at this point now that the like detroit lions are all of a sudden involved so you know you reference the number here minus three the number is sort of in between three and three and a half and that's because this got out to three and a half and people me for example <laughs> grab the plus three and a half with the seahawks and yeah. so you know you mentioned that game last week with the 49ers and the bucks i would dare say i was outraged by <laughs> by the community the betting community sort of just assuming that brock purdy was going to be bad all of these guys who are out pumpkin picking during the fall saturdays not watching college football not knowing mm -hmm. that this guy has all the reps in the world at, at, from a college football level standpoint and by the way again you know what? They tried to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> and yes, he came, you know, storming back to relevance. But like it get you can't tell me that 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 he matters all of that much. And so yeah, like the line made this massive change from around seven to three and a half, and honestly dipped into some threes against Tampa Bay. And like that was just crazy. But part of that had to do with Tampa Bay being this like wildly overvalued team, right? And so the same people who are pumpkin picking on Saturday afternoons apparently have been pumpkin picking on Sunday afternoons instead of watching the Tampa Bay Bucks. This sounds like slander against pumpkin picking. I'm just, I'm just saying. I don't know if that's what you're intending to do right? here. Uh, just go to the store, get a pumpkin, carve it while you watch the games, right? Like, you know, if, if there's any way to get through an Iowa State football game, it might be to carve a pumpkin while you watch it. Um, okay. All that okay. is to say, like, I was pretty high on the 49ers. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I'm pretty high on Brock Purdy as a concept. That being said, it's a wildly different setup than Brock Purdy sort of having, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of a warm up game against Miami and then having a full week of practice, game planning, et cetera, to go against a team that, like, I think you and I thought, like, you might only need 14 points to win this game. You might only need 14 points to cover this game. Now, they did, you know, obviously exceed that by a great deal here. This is a incredibly different situation here for our guy purdy for one he's a little banged up right he's got a little oblique injury like that didn't sort of you know prevent him from like jumping into the stands to like see his family after the game so like i think he's going to play but it's a short week he's not really practicing at this point yeah. and like that's kind of a big turnaround it's also going from like the quiet san francisco like home crowd like everything's kind of kosher at you know sort of a neutral sort of state now he's going to Seattle. And again, if the Seattle Seahawks think it's a big game, 
the Seattle Seahawks fans are going to think that it's a big game, especially in a prime time circumstance, right? So now you're going to be dealing with loud conditions. Like we don't, you know, communication's going to struggle. Well, that's fine. Why don't we just hand the ball off or throw the ball short to Debo Samuel and let him do the rest? Oh, wait a second. Debo is not in this game either, right? And he yeah. went out of the game at a point where the 49ers already had a pretty considerable lead. So when Debo goes out of the game, it's not just about Debo, right? It becomes about all of the sort of window dressing and the things that they can do to sort of open up lanes for Christian McCaffrey on the ground and also open up coverage holes for Brandon Ayuk in the red zone and honestly all over the field. And so it doesn't just affect Brock Purdy, it affects everybody on the offense. Now, they can win this game. It's certainly, you know, within the realm of possibility. They can also cover this spread. But like it's just not a situation that we're looking to go on the road and like back a team that has to win by margin here. Now, you're talking about minus 3 here versus 3 and a half, which is obviously a little bit different since you get the push on the 3. And so my bet at plus 3 and a half wins on 3 for the 49ers here. Mm -hmm. You know, honestly, I hope they still win the game. I don't I don't think I'm going to have anything on the Seahawks money line here, but it's just the matter of even as high as I have been on the 49ers, my numbers still come to two and a half in this game. And honestly, it was pick them before last week. Now, part of that had to do with the Brock Purdy sort of being underrated element. So I think my two and a half is pretty correct. Mm -hmm. So if the game was still pick them, I would be betting on the 49ers because, you know, obviously I'm getting value on what I think the 49ers should be. That is a two and a half point spread. But once you got three and a half and you cross over that key number of three, the one that we always talk about and the situation, obviously Devo, honest, obviously the uh, sort of potential injury and who knows whether he sort of survives this game with that injury, right? May start, might not finish type of deal. Now you're looking at Josh Johnson, which as much as we saw Baker Mayfield on a Thursday uh, uh, being new to a team, sort of pulling that off, I don't think that that's going to work out nearly as well for Josh Johnson on the road. And I really don't think it's going to work all that well for Purdy in this situation. Now, maybe that sets up the 49ers being back to valuable in the following weeks because maybe everybody hops off of this bandwagon, because there's certainly a bandwagon fi uh, filling up here on Brock Purdy, the one that you and I were driving with nobody else on it last week. Yeah, definitely. And I'm totally with you there. I'm firm on the Niners at three, three and a half. We might have to have a different conversation. But until that point, let's go Purdy all the time. Is that it? Or Brock and roll all the time? Purdy almost Purdy all day? the time. <laughs> Something like that? I don't know. Anyways, let's keep things flowing here. We got the Colts. This is Saturday action. Saturday games. We got the Colts at the Vikings. Vikings at home, favored by four points. Um, tough go for the Vikings last week, but I would like to say that we sniffed out the Lions last week in terms of everyone thinking, uh, what did we used to call it? The sucker bet of the week. That's Everyone right. looking Back at the, the Vikings being underdogs in Detroit last week, and we're sitting here saying, no, like pay attention to the number. There's something here. And yeah, the Vikings went Vikings. So you might be asking yourself, why now a week later am I willing to lay four points with the Vikings at home? It's a tough spot. Can't lie. This is more <laughs> to do with the Colts. I think the Vikings kind of, you know, they have that reaction to last week. They kind of bounce back in this position. They're back at home, which I talked about last week. They play a lot better at. And I'm still not ready to ride with the Colts. I mean, they had a good little wave, a little 
push at the beginning of the Jeff, Jeff Saturday era, mm-hmm. but that's kind of gone now. I think the Vikings kind of bounce back in a position where everyone's willing to jump off the Vikings because of what they saw last week. Give me Vikings laying the four points. So this is four and a half. There, there, I think there is a couple of four and a half still out there. That's where I'm at. Give me the Colts plus four and a half. Now it's not some numbers play, right? Yeah, because yeah. my numbers make it four and a half. That's my rating. Uh, market rating come out to four and a half. If anybody's sort of wondering, and I, listen, they shouldn't be wondering at this point why the Vikings are only favored by four and a half points against the quote unquote lowly Colts, right? We just saw them as underdogs to a team that they had what five or six more wins than <laughs> last week. Like the, yeah. the, the sort of cats out of the bag here when it comes to like the Vikings and where they are sort of rated. So it isn't necessarily a numbers play, but it is fundamentally a matchup play, right? And so, you know, you mentioned the Colts having an issue in these last couple of weeks, but I was against the Steelers defense, and the Cowboys defense, right? The Vikings are not those. <laughs> they are not those two things. And what I actually liked from the Colts offense two weeks ago when last we saw them play on Sunday night was a willingness to throw the ball down the field, right? There was That was the complaint uh, the, the prior week against Pittsburgh. You, uh, I was Troy Aikman. He was like, why aren't these guys throwing the ball down the field? Like, apparently they watched the broadcast with the sound on and were like, yeah, you know what? Throwing the ball down the field is a pretty good idea. And you'll recall, as we talked about last week, if, you know, relating to a different matchup, they were a two-point conversion away from being tied in the third quarter of that game against the Cowboys, right? So they can play with these teams. They are probably just not good enough to beat these teams. Though, honestly, I wouldn't put it past you because, like, as much as we sort of slander Matt Ryan from time to time because he can't hang on to the ball and, you know, he's fumbling and the occasional interception that's kind of brutal, like, the Vikings don't really do that all that well, right? They don't really turn you over all that well. And so... You know, you're always a little bit nervous about these teams who don't really have anything to play for coming down the stretch. The Colts would be in that category, but I don't think they're in the category of like dead team walking where there was like expectations right up to a point where there wasn't. There was expectations at the start of the year, but it's been a disaster pretty much since the start of the year. And that's actually kind of helping them in this situation where it's like, yeah, we all realized we had to just be professional and we had to do that, you know, basically when they hired Saturday to take over. You know, I still think there's some belief in that locker room, at least in sort of putting in a week to week effort with him. You obviously have, you know, the bye week, again, a, a, a way easier matchup, um, at least from a defensive standpoint. And honestly, relative to the Cowboys, like a better, uh, you know, matchup for them offensively, right? Like the Vikings, outside of Justin Jefferson being an absolute freak show, like, you know, the the offense I don't think is as good or at least as, uh, you know, multidimensional as, uh, as the Cowboys is. So, you know... Yeah, it'd be nice if we were getting some crazy like 10 point, 7 point, whatever you want to call it sort of spread here, which like if this happened sort of a month ago, we might have, right? When when the Vikings are being lined as 7 point favorites at home against the Bears and the Lions of the world, right? But like we figured this out. And so that's why this line is where it is. You know, again, not a ton of value necessarily the way that, you know, I'd love to come on and be like, yeah, plus seven because my my line's four and a half. That being said, like Minnesota just doesn't blow out teams. And like the sure. Colts, I think, are actually live to win this game. It's just a matter of if they show up or not. And this is different than like the team hating, you know, uh, let's say King Cliff Kingsbury, for example, or, you know, or some of these other coaches. Like this is a team that actually might still be playing for their coach. So I, I'm on the Colts here. And uh, we are two games in, and uh, we are on the opposite side, two, two, uh, two for two. 
two for two to start here and this might be a theme because as i said i'm avoiding blow-ups here and I'm, I'm watching what's happening two for two on opposite sides where i'm on the favorites here on the underdogs yeah. and just a word to the wise of the people watching it's i mean i'm gonna say this despite doing the opposite it's probably better to be on the side of the underdogs if you pay attention to what goes on in the nfl from week to week um i say that as we move on to our next game, which is still on Saturday. You got the Ravens at the Browns. Browns are favored at home by three. I'm on the the underdogs here mm -hmm. at plus three with said Baltimore Ravens. And uh, the QB that will not be named by me for the Browns, the offense is still kind of, uh, uh, that said, the offense is still kind of, uh, for whoever the quarterback is for the Ravens as well. So with an ugly game, uh, I'm just taking the points here. I'm not going to lie. Divisional battle. Just give me the points with the Ravens. And to be honest, I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter who's quarterbacking for the Ravens because obviously it does. Sure. But I'm just saying that like their offense has not looked good at all. And I just think this is going to be an ugly, muck it up, just crappy game. So give me the points in that instance. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it sets up a lot like the game last week, right? Where you have mm -hmm. them as essentially a, a field goal underdog. It does matter because now we're talking, we're not talking Lamar to Huntley. We're talking about Huntley to Anthony Brown. And I don't want anything to do with the Anthony Brown, you know, era, if you will, right? Yeah. So it does look like Huntley is going to play. And so if you're getting a full field goal with Huntley, based on what we've seen from the Browns. That being said, you know, just a quick note on last week's game, you know, we grabbed it a plus six and they are driving down the field, essentially first and goal mm -hmm. to push plus six. Right. Yeah. And that's after uh, roughing the punter, extending a drive that led to a touchdown for the Bengals. That's after an absurd fourth and one where they brought Jacoby Brissett in to like, throw the ball even though it like the idea was oh they're gonna think we're sneaking it with Brissett as if like Deshaun Watson doesn't know how to sneak a football and like instead we'll throw it and like they'll be so confused that it'll be wide open of course it wasn't and they you know turned it over on downs so there's a lot of different ways that the Browns would have covered that plus six or at least pushed that plus six but they didn't because of just you know kind of malfunctioning right and so you're talking about a guy in kevin stefanski here who like gets credit because they made the playoffs a couple of years ago but like honestly outside of that in kind of a i don't want to say a fluky season but let's say it a fluky season hasn't really shown me all that much that he's some like sort of genius head coach here right whereas like john harbaugh I don't know. I never call any of these guys geniuses because listen they are all wildly overrated even the dumb ones are even dumber than we think but you know, we talked about it last week when it comes down to these field goal type games. And honestly, even if the Steelers had won, even if they had gotten a late touchdown or one of those interceptions had been a touchdown instead of an interception that Mitch Trubisky threw, the Steelers are only going to win that game by one point, right? Because it got janky with like the field goals and all of that sort of stuff, right? And Tucker comes in and he kicks the field goals and all of that sort of thing. So if it ended up being minus two and a half and there was some, you know, potential of Tyler Huntley not going to play then like I would lean to the Browns here, but this just isn't going to be a big bet for me on either side. I do have plus three as well, minus 110. You know, again, this one is sort of toggling between two and a half and three. So outside of just sort of having a small bet at plus three at minus 110, this is not a game that I'm dying to get uh, involved with. <laughs> no, I totally got you for sure. Uh, so as the NFL does to kind of pick up the vibes on an NFL Saturday, we got the Dolphins at the Bills. Bills at home, favored by seven and a half points. 
Dolphins, people are kind of wondering, is, is the book out in terms of what Tua and Mike McDaniels are trying to do? Have defenses figured it out? But I'm more interested in seeing if this is where the adjustment comes, right? It's not like Mike McDaniels is going to be like, oh, I don't know what to do. We want to throw it over the middle and teams are stopping us. What are we going to do? There's going to be an adjustment, which gives me um, confidence, I'll say, in okay. taking the Dolphins at the plus seven and a half just because it is over that seven number. If it's seven, I might be more likely to take the Bulls and accept the Bulls, the Bills, and yeah. accept the push. But at seven and a half, I still like Miami's offense. I still like McDaniel's ability to adjust, figure some things out here. And the Bills, I'm interested to see what happens here because this is a big boy game for the Bills in, in a statement that they can make here. And I'm just willing to take the points. I don't know if I if I'm like how confident I am in that, but I want to see what happens. Seven and a half, give me Miami. Okay, let's see if I can let's see what I can do here. All right. Uh -oh. So <laughs> what do we like about the Dolphins, right? And you mentioned the offense, right? But that's the thing. They got they got a ton of credit over the course of a period of time for blowing out the Texans, for blowing out the Browns, you know, and having, you know, a high-powered offense, uh winning a game at Detroit, mm -hmm. you know, going against essentially teams with pretty poor defenses, right? And winning those games. Some of them had some of those teams had offenses to compete and some of them didn't, right? And then and so the rating kind of blows out to the point where last week they were 3 3 and a half point road favorites against the Chargers. We were happily grabbing the Chargers their money line spread all of that sort of thing because the dolphins were overrated because of obviously what had sort of transpired over the course of the you know previous weeks now the reality is what's transpired in the last two weeks is that Tua Tagovailoa has not played very well right and you can sort of look at Jalen Waddle potentially being injured it's not like he wasn't on the injured list before basically doing nothing against the Chargers we yeah. watched that entire game you know it was it was uh, close up and slow-mo shots of Tyreek Hill's ankle basically in that entire game and if so and if those two guys aren't connecting with Tua and you know you say like oh yeah he'll make adjustments to the defenses that are sort of preventing them from throwing the ball over the middle that's a really sort of nice thing to say and 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 you know you have confidence in McDaniel in that sort of way but we also had the same kind of deal last year with Jimmy G where like with McDaniel running that offense like oh yeah everything over the middle Kittle over the middle Debo over the middle all these guys getting you know balls thrown to them over the middle once you had to start throwing it to the outside like Jimmy G was like I'm not really good at that <laughs> and honestly all we've ever heard out of Tua is like the the accuracy is there which is great between the numbers but this arm strength isn't necessarily there so whether he is injured or you know or hurt or not like it was never really his thing to throw the ball to the outside which would be the adjustment it was the adjustment on the one touchdown that he had right the deep ball to Tyreek Hill where he just goes you know what screw it I'm throwing it kind of as far as I can throw it here to the outside of the numbers and it just happened to work out but like if they keep running that over and over again that's not necessarily going to work out and when is that not necessarily going to work out outdoors in Buffalo right and <laughs> you and I just talked about the weather Buffalo's not that far from here and it's going to be pretty rough this weekend along the eastern seaboard and eastern Canada and the U.S. etc cetera, etc cetera. and by the way the Dolphins are on their third straight road game and so the travel has looked like this go out to California play San Francisco stay out in California go down to LA then come home and then back up to Buffalo here 
right? Like that's kind of without in, without involving London or Seattle, that is the most travel that you can kind of do in this league. And you're going from again, pretty comfortable, cozy conditions in San Francisco, the coziest of conditions against the Chargers. And you listen to Collinsworth, he couldn't believe the Chargers were doing so well defensively because it like set up really well. This does not set up well for for Tua. Yeah, it's coming. He's 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 doing the switch. And I'm bummed out about the Bills offense. I, you know, listen, they should have covered that game. You get a block punt safety and a moronic decision to kick the field goal on fourth and one. I know everybody goes like, no, you got to get the points because you need the points. On fourth and one, you go for it, especially if you are near the end zone. You do not kick a field goal so that you hope to get an onside kick, then have to go down the field and then get a two-point conversion. You take your shot at the end zone when you are near the end zone. This is not that complicated, folks. So the bummer last week was that the Bills offense wasn't very good, but you know what? Jets defense is very good. And so that's what kept them within sort of shouting distance so that they could do the sneaky backdoor cover routine. The Dolphins defense is not that. Their running game is not that. And so like, I don't want to call the Dolphins kind of a one trick pony, but it's kind of all is supposed to work together. And when one of the spokes is broken, when one of the wheels is kind of jangling and not, you know, going around in circles correctly, the offense kind of falls apart and the defense just isn't there to kind of replace it. And by the way, you got the bills still really kind of annoyed about that game early on in the season. I think it was week three where your man Ken Dorsey slamming the slamming the laptop or the iPad into the camera, et cetera, et cetera. They are going to be locked in for this game. There's no sort of look ahead situation here. This to me, and, and you know, I hate to sort of go to this sort of angle here. There's a reason it's seven and a half. There's a reason they're, they're saying to you like, yeah, take the seven and a half, man. Knock yourself out. Oh yeah, sure. One score game. Totally. <laughs> like this probably Ill is Bill's blowout. And we kind of get back to that point early on in the season. Now again, said that last week, but again, the defenses here are the difference. Uh, and to me, the Bills are going to do very similar things that the Chargers did to Tua while also being able to score in at least the same way that the Chargers did uh, against the Dolphins defense last week. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. Good switch for me there. Bills minus seven and a half. Let's roll. Still rolling into Sunday's action. We've got the Eagles as nine point favorites in Chicago and the Bears. I mean, obviously a lot of talk still, about what do you do with their quarterback position? Are you trying to bring fields back? You're doing all that. Like, we'll see how that goes. But my focus is in on the Eagles and the Eagles bandwagon here. I will say, I look at this game. I'm on the Eagles, but there's a pause because I think, wait, is the hype train getting a little too much? Is this number a little too high? That's my question to you. I'm on the Eagles, but I yeah. can see the world in which it's too high. Yeah, it is a little high here, guys. Like, I mean, I, again, think relatively highly of the Eagles. That being said, like, situationally from a whole, like, can you cover, you know, you know, we always kind of talk about backdoor, but can you move the football? Like, the Bears can move the football, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's going to do them a lot better than, say, the Giants last week who weren't going to be able to kind of keep up offensively. This isn't a divisional game. You know, it's funny. Like, people make that made all the cases for why the Giants could cover that game, right? Divisional game on the road, like, you know, have had trouble in the past. It's like, it's a divisional game for the Eagles, too, right? Like, they care about that game, too. And that just, you know, just because it's a divisional game doesn't mean it's close. 
to me, this is more like, yeah, do the Eagle, how much do the Eagles really care about this? Their second road game in a row, as far as like blowing a team out necessarily. Right. And so I'm a little concerned, obviously Justin Fields, like hit the injury report with an illness. You never sort of like to see that midweek, but you know, with him returning in that game, you know, previously and not, you know, kind of <laughs> suffering another injury, you get the bye week. He should be as healthy as, you know, one could be at this point in the season. The Bears defense is not good. They're going to give up a lot of points, but I think the Bears score a lot of points here too. And so again, if you're going to sort of hold your nose, sort of Broncos Chiefs style, a little bit different because <laughs> the Broncos have a way better defense, but the Bears are honestly way more explosive on offense here. This could be a high scoring game, probably needs to be a high scoring game for the Bears to cover. I think you sort of have to wait and see, hope people you know, bump this thing up to 10 and then jump on the bears if and when it gets to 10. That, that is how I'm playing it. I certainly have not grabbed the nine because honestly, why would I grab the nine right now? If it goes down to eight and a half, again, like Chiefs Broncos last week, you go, okay, I'm probably on the, on the right side of sort of history here. Now, obviously it didn't look like that when we were what, down 27 to nothing at one point, but you know, that's what the points are for, right? And so they yeah. can win by six points relatively comfortably win by eight points relatively comfortably and that's probably honestly what they do by the way if this goes down to eight and a half right what do we do first thing we do eagles teaser legs right so you can kind of play it both ways you just sit and wait plus 10 on the bears or minus two and a half via teaser on the eagles at nine you just kind of sit and wait for kickoff and see if you can get the best price one way or another i got you my dude i got you falcons at the saints saints at home favored by four points uh, the four points, this is just a classic. I'm looking at it over a field goal, and I don't really like the Falcons in this position. I feel like the Falcons have kind of sputtered a bit here. Like they're not exactly on the same wave that they were on. But the Saints, I still can't figure out what exactly their goals are this season, if that makes sense. Well, because they're all gone now, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. When Mark Ingram decided, nah, I'm good, and stepped out of bounds a yard before the first down, mm -hmm. like that – that sort of permeates through the locker room and through the season. Like if you think I'm bummed out about Mark Ingram, kind of not willing to kind of give it up for one more yard. Mm -hmm. Imagine what the rest of the, uh, of the locker room thinks, right? Like they watch the play too. They probably watched it a bunch of different times, whether it's via social media or literally in the film room. Yeah. And so you go, okay, well, what's left? Because the win probability or the sort of uh, playoff probability for the saints got drastically slashed, swayed, swung, however you want to say it, when they lost that game to Tampa Bay, right? And so when that happens, you go, okay, what is left of this season? And then they have a bye week. And it's not like, you know, you know, how would you feel if you had that bye week and you just lost that game? You, I don't think you're going like, yeah, let's give it our best here for these last four games. It sort of becomes a very sort of, okay, I'm going to put my best foot forward on tape, but I'm not going to go the extra mile here to do the things that are required to win games. Meanwhile, if you're the Falcons off of their bye week, at least if you're looking around and you're going, Marcus Mariota just isn't it. Whether it's the interception against Washington or some of the other plays, obviously like losing to the Steelers was a, was a killer. But then you're still looking around and you're going like, yeah, Tampa Bay still stinks. And <laughs> we haven't had that loss, that second loss to them yet. Like we are still kind of lingering in this division. And our coaches are willing to kind of give us a little hopefully shot of life here with Desmond Ritter, who in the preseason looked every bit as good as Marcus Mariota. And so maybe the sort of feeling is, all right, maybe not for four games, depending obviously on what happens in this game, 
But maybe in this game, a game that they came awfully close to winning on, I believe it was week one, uh, this feels like a game where, like, the Falcons, if I sort of think that they – if I believe that they sort of have an organizational sort of upturn here with maybe the quarterback of the future and that the uh, the players in that locker room believe that, then I think the Falcons are live to win this game because this is a sell point on the Saints. Like, I was buying Saints against Rams. I was buying the Saints. Like, the buy point for the Saints was against the Bucks in that game and it was goal i mean it, it cashed from a point spread perspective and from a money line standpoint like it really should have but like the rug got pulled out for under these guys and we haven't necessarily seen that with the falcons right this is still a competitive team that is lacking in talent whereas the Sa saints have always had the talent they've just sort of lacked in the competitiveness and so i don't really know what's going to change here right and so if you're going to give me four there's some four and a half yeah give me four and a half with the falcons here all day maybe a little money line sprinkle Little money line sprinkle. You know, I always love hearing the sound of the money line sprinkle, my friend. Um, not, I mean, picking aside on which to sprinkle here is going to be interesting because it's a pick'em game. Is we got the Lions at the Jets. Uh, the Lions just continue to roll. We were confident last week. Everyone was kind of looking at that being a, a oh, you have to take the Vikings. How are the Vikings underdogs against the Lions? It made no sense to a lot of people. We just sat back and cashed in, essentially. Relatively easily, yeah. Relatively easily, yeah. And then we looked towards this game. And this game, I, I, I can't say I was as confident in taking the Lions, but I am on the Lions here. The Jets continue to kind of confuse me because I'm not really sure what's going on. And obviously, it's going to depend on the help of your man's Mike White and what's going to be going down with him because he looked – battered and bruised and joe flacco came in and didn't look like he wanted any part of that game at all <laughs> when yeah. he checked in yeah you know when J joe flacco has to be removed from the second uh you know the backup quarterback position to bring zach wilson back into the mix uh not ideal yeah i mean there's a couple of things here right offensively and defensively need to know whether it's mike white for sure that those mm -hmm. ribs aren't like shattered which honestly who could blame them if they were he got absolutely smoked a couple of times in yes, that game and honestly like pretty embarrassing for robert sala to keep putting him back into that game when obviously like that was just an incredibly um vulnerable situation for him yeah. um and then the other one is obviously quinn and williams right because he goes out of that game and the and the bills automatically like score on the next like three drives and so like if he's definitely good to go that's obviously going to be a, you know a critical sort of thing here for the jets because we have to you know, in the in the uh, sound of the season, we have to cue up the Grinch music right now. You're a mean one, Mr. Russell, because we have to be the jerks here. We can't be the ones who are just like super cozy and like loving the, the Lions because it's a really tough scene for the Lions. It's a really tough spot for the Lions, right? We're back on the road, which the Lions have not really done all that well at this season, really haven't done all that frequently this season. And they are sort of a Justin Fields pick six away from, you know, maybe the season falling apart completely, right? Mm -hmm. Because they probably should have lost that game to the Bears in a game that wasn't, you know, didn't have sort of drastic wintry conditions. What did we just talk about with regards to the Bills, right? We're talking mid-December on the East Coast. This is not Jared Goff season whatsoever, right? And you'll tell me, well, they just played in New York against the Giants and they won that game. The Jets aren't the Giants, right? We have seen the delineation, the differentiation between these two alleged New York teams that play in New Jersey. Like, they are not the same thing. And so, 
again, it, it's it's not a play if Zach Wilson is involved. And the, obviously the fright is that one hit to White, even if he is sort of greenlit and good to go. Like if that happens and Wilson's in, then we'll find ourselves in some trouble here. Mm-hmm. But like this is a Jets offense with Mike White that we liked against the Bears, that we liked against the Vikings. Why? Because that's the category of defensive football that we want to be backing the Jets in, not against the Bills. Guess what? Here come the Lions. That's the category, right? So the Jets offense should be better. They've got uh, this gentleman Zonovan, which like is absolutely sounds like a name that was created on Madden football and then just sort of came to life on like somebody's Christmas wish. Uh, there's, like there's going to be a movie made about this guy if they somehow <laughs> make the playoffs. Yeah. Zonovan is in our lives. Um, so like the Jets are running the football pretty well yeah. here with like, of course, like the fourth guy in the depth chart, the fifth guy in the depth chart would end up being maybe their best running back this season, even after they've traded for James Robinson but like this is where the offense is going to be good for the Jets and this is honestly where the the offense is going to struggle and it's not going to look as easy for the Lions here so yeah the Dan Campbell thing super fun that the Lions as a whole are super fun I'd much rather see them in the playoffs than the Commanders and the Giants honestly even the Seahawks in a lot of ways but we got to Grinch this thing right this game is a pick them they are you know they are truly sort of a coin flip type of a game here. You're going to have a lot of people sort of liking the Lions here, but we have to Grinch it up and take the Jets. Wow. I got to say, I got to say, I, I, one thing I do enjoy as I am changing the pick for the record, okay. people listening, I'm changing sure the pick. going in the name of Christmas or in the name of the Grinch. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The reason I'm doing that is I'm a firm believer. One of the biggest things I've learned over the past couple of years is just understanding the the spots, right? And like understanding the bounces and how the NFL season goes. And like, as soon as you're ready to jump on the bandwagon of the Lions, they remind you that they are the Lions because they go on the road and Jared Goff is still Jared Goff. Like, I know what the numbers say. Yeah. Right. I get there it. are a lot of buy low, sell high spots. It's not something that we've mm-hmm. talked about a ton because this, the way the schedule is kind of gone, there hasn't been some blatant buy low, sell high options on a week to week basis. But whether, you know, we're talking about San Francisco, Seattle, some of these other games, like this is one of those spots where, you know, you wake up or, you know, you know obviously not wake up, but like you look up on Sunday and the Jets are up, you know, 20 to 10 and it's not working as well for Jared Goff. There's maybe a fumble, maybe an interception that we haven't seen over the last couple of weeks. Like, that's kind of yeah. you know the way this could go, and also the just the reminder of what the Jets' defense is, as you said, right? The Jets' defense, regardless of who's playing quarterback, the Jets' defense is pretty, pretty, pretty legit. Yeah. Um, at points, I've thought the Steelers' defense is pretty legit as well, but I'm interested to hear your take on this game. As Steelers are at the Panthers in Carolina, Carolina two and a half point faves. I'm just not sure I'm ready to lay points with the Carolina Panthers. And uh, that's the main reason why I'm going to be on the Steelers here, plus two and a half. I'd like it to be at three. I'd like it to be at three and a half. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to get that by game time. But you, you might. I think the I think the issue here is this is like one of those classic December games where like you might say you're not looking to lay points with the Carolina Panthers. I might say I don't want to bet on Mitch Trubisky in a, what is essentially sort of a pick 'em like under a field goal type of a game, Big right? Fun. We've got we've got a tomato tomato type of deal going on here, yeah. um, and I and that's that's where I'm at because mm-hmm. I actually really like this Carolina team. Like we had them outright against Seattle last week, and it was kind of never in doubt. Like it was a super fun. 
certainly up via the spread because Seattle did show a little life, but like on the money line too, like, you know, pretty easy pickings there, especially for those who got the 17 point early cash out. Um, the pan, you know, the Panthers finally win a road game. Now they come back home where they have won a bunch of games, right? They have you know, dominated Denver, obviously the Falcons, uh, you know, earlier on in the, uh, in the season and, uh, the Buccaneers, of course. Right. So this, Panther team is that like football team that's like not very flashy. You're not really sure like how they're doing it or what they're doing because it's like Chuba Hubbard and Dante Foreman, and then they're like throwing Blackshear into the mix every once in a while, and like he's a real spark plug out there. And you're not relying on Sam Darnold to do anything. Obviously, we'll need DJ Moore who had an MRI earlier on in the week, but all of a sudden he's out. You know, he's in to practice, like he's participating in practice early on this week. Okay, I'm not really super sure like what the deal is with that. And again, because of the Buccaneers, right? Like these teams in the NFC South outside of the Saints, because they have lost twice to the Buccaneers, these teams have life and they have some belief. Now it's weird because Steve Wilkes doesn't exactly inspire much when it comes for me, but when that defense is healthy, like JC Horn is a really good corner and you know, Brian Burns is a really good defensive lineman. They have a handful of other guys in between those who, you know, are a problem for guys. And Mitch Trubisky is a problem for his own team who immediately comes in and throws three interceptions. Like it was just the Trubiskiest thing you could ever possibly imagine. I don't think Kenny Pickett who suffered a second concussion this season. They're going to throw him back out there. And honestly, if they do, it's probably a really bad idea. So like this isn't indoors, like getting to play the Falcons defense. This Panthers defense is wildly underrated right now because the metrics don't necessarily kind of back it up in the way that like I would rank them kind of top five right now. They're not ranked in the top five because they have been missing guys like horn uh like jeremy chin earlier on in the season like guys that who matter who it's the panthers man like we don't really think all that much of it and by the way they've been starting you know again all due respect for his game last week a lot of baker mayfield a lot of pj walker a lot of just kind of not really knowing what they are on offense this team actually has an identity this is a team that like if you said hey pick a team to just bet on blindly for the last four games of the season I, it would be the Panthers. Like, those don't even tell me what the spread is. I just assume I'm going to get value on the Panthers. That being said, minus two and a half is a skosh higher than, like, the market <laughs> should sort of indicate. But a lot of that is Trubisky-related, right? If yeah. Trubisky's going to start a road game, yeah, I'm going to downgrade the hell out of the Steelers. And, like, so, like, that's the, you know, that's kind of what the deal is here. And so as long as it's under a field goal, yeah, I'll take the Panthers. Like, honestly, what have they done? Outside of kind of getting blown out, not kind of getting completely blown out, different version of that team, but getting blown out on the road to the Bengals, like, is that still the lingering reason why we don't think that the Panthers are at least a functional team? Like, mm -hmm. if that's the case, like, the Steelers are not the Bengals. This is not that situation. So, yeah, give me the Panthers. I don't even know if it's going to be all that close. I mean, it'll be close because the Panthers don't score all that much, but the Steelers couldn't stop the Ravens on the ground, so why would they stop the Panthers on the ground this week? Oh, I like it. I like it. And for people watching the pod, which hopefully you are and blessing us with the like for sure. Um, you've known that I've already switched the pick. That didn't take much convincing at all to yeah. get me off of Mitch Trubisky. That's right. I, th um, you, I had, yeah. I had you at Trubisky, right? Right. <laughs> Very easy one there. This next game, I'm super interested to know where you're at here. Cause it's the Cowboys as four point favorites in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, balling right now and maybe i'm a little too hype on this but i'm just looking and i'm seeing the the jags at getting four points at home and i really really like that my my hesitation here my question to you is 
am I just reading too much into the poor performance last week by the Dallas Cowboys? Because they should have lost that game to the Texans. Yeah. Uh, and what did we say about that game, right? Like, are we sure we shouldn't be a little bit worried that the Cowboys on Thanksgiving were in a dogfight with the Giants? Are we sure we shouldn't be worried about the Cowboys? Again, another game at home where they were a two-point conversion away from being tied with the Colts. And now I have yet another one to add to the are we sure. Are we sure we shouldn't be worried about the Cowboys? You know, listen, 17 points is a lot to cover, but they should have, as you mentioned, lost that game outright. And by the way, it's just an addendum. <laughs> If you were the type of person to believe in conspiracies, Ooh. isn't that fourth down play exactly what it would look like if you were trying to lose a football game, <laughs> like institutionally? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. isn't that, like, you'd be like, oh, what happened? Like, what happened on that fourth down play? It's like, well, the, the first overall pick was in the, was in hanging in the balance on whether or not they executed that. And it's like, and all of a sudden Jeff Driscoll's involved, you know, like, Huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, by, and by the way, like speaking of like institutionally, mm -hmm. I think the Texans scored a touchdown on the previous uh, on the play there, reached mm -hmm. the ball over the goal line, and for some reason, a nobody challenged it, but b because there just happened to not be a camera looking directly down the goal line because yeah. they they show him reach it over, and then they show when he goes down, and like the ball is like at least a foot over the goal line. It's like I'm. We got a bad angle here. If we just had the down the line angle, and apparently Texas, you know, everything's bigger in Texas except for the amount of cameras apparently that they have because we weren't looking down the line there. Anyway, bit of a digression there. Just you know, that's the type of stuff, right? It's like nobody's dropping balls in for, on purpose, but like really, there just isn't another look at that uh, at that play. Um, but as, as for this game, this game sort of, uh, I'll put it this way: loved the Jags on first sort of blush here, right? They were like five and a half. There was even like, I think a six on open. And it's like, yeah, give me a full touchdown with the Jags. Like I'm mega into that. And now we're going down to four. And what that sort of reminds me of not that long ago mm -hmm. is Eagles Titans, right? Where it was like, oh yeah, like Eagles haven't looked particularly good in these last couple of weeks. The Titans like quote unquote just win games. And like, we got all wrapped into it, even though like the number was, you know, should have been five and a half. And just, we got so excited about plus six that people ended up betting plus four and a half, you know? And it's like, right, you kind of just sort of follow the leader there. Honestly, it was not that different than, say, Cincinnati and Cleveland last week, where you go, okay, plus six, still a pretty good bet, I think. And then you get down to fours, and there was even some three and a halfs with some juice, like, lingering on Sunday morning. And you go, like, well, that's not what we signed up for at plus six. Just because other people bet plus six doesn't mean we have to bet the minus three and a half. And again bunch of different ways that this game of course could go i just happen to like getting my sort of like radar up here right little red flag situation i think the jags are live to win the game and i like them on the money line uh you know as sort of a value bet here but like the value starting to get kind of sucked out of it yeah and now we're talking minus four and like where is this going to end are we going to end up at minus three and a half are we going to get to minus three something along those lines because yeah everybody's kind of bummed out about the cowboys so i know that's like awfully confusing and doesn't sort of give you anything necessarily and like you're well within your rights to sort of stay on jacksonville plus four it's really more just like a be careful about this game obviously jack you know cowboys have the eagles coming up and people are going to sort of reference that as sort of a look ahead type situation 
or is it they got a little scare from the Texans and then they got you know they got to straighten up and fly right so to speak right and obviously people getting maybe a little too excited about the Jags winning a game against the Titans and two of their last three or whatever it is so yeah this is getting a little scary here I much prefer this at six and nobody giving the Jags a chance there's a little too much Jags having a ton of a chance here out in the uh, out in the universe right now for me to be involved too deeply in this game. No, I got you. I got you. I'm on the I'm on the Jags, but I I do understand where you're coming from in terms of needing to see a little bit more from Jacksonville overall here. Um, keep things moving here with you know a team that I like seeing a lot from and a team that I consistently continue to lose on being the Chiefs. As 14-point favorites at said Texans. I know the Texans played well last week. I get all that. This is just a number play here at 14. If it's more than 14, I'll gladly go back to the Texans and do that. But at 14, I'm willing to take the push to touchdown win for the Chiefs in on like, you know, the 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 turf, indoor, just beautiful field, all that fun stuff for them. Yeah. To get their offense really in gear here. Don't really like it. Don't really recommend laying two touchdowns <laughs> on the road. On yeah. the road, but here we are. I'm yeah, not falling for the not, Texans and what they did last week. It's not what you want. What you wanted was the kitchen sink that the Texans threw at the Cowboys last week. Yes. We wanted that thrown at the Browns the week before. Correct. Right? Like if they had thrown that kitchen sink as part of the remodel at the Browns, like I think they would have won that game. But instead, I guess they saved it for the Cowboys. Why? I don't know. Right? Jeff Driscoll's get, get, getting, you know, they're mixing and matching Driscoll and Davis Mills after we just suffered through Kyle Allen for multiple weeks. Like again, like what is Lovey Smith doing over there? Right? And so the problem is like the element of surprise, whatever that's worth, not involved. Damian Pierce who's just carrying Cowboys and any other player, you know, a, opponent defender that he's faced this season on his back down the field. He's out with a high ankle sprain, looks to be two to three weeks type of deal. Rush back Damian Pierce and may need you in fantasy in the semifinals by, by week this week. No big deal. Um, and then you've got, obviously, the wide receivers are still out for the Texans. And as we always talk about, Derek Stingley Jr. out for the Texans here probably as well. And like, he might be incredibly helpful when it comes to defending against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the thing is, people love taking those points, especially with yeah. the big, big home underdog. Maybe we see a 13 and a half, right? Okay. I know it's weird talking key numbers no. uh, up in the 14 territory. <laughs> this is where we're at. It's a number. This is, this is where we're at, right? So, like, how many, you know, again, the Chiefs aren't what they used to be as far as just hanging 40 on teams, mm -hmm. but like, they still have all the weapons in the world. They faced a pretty good defense on the road last week against the Broncos. This is going to be that sort of little bit of relief going up against, honestly, at this point, it's like just rookie safety Jalen Petrie back there, you know, just kind of hoping. And he played great against the Cowboys, but like there's going to be a bit of a different deal here with a, you know, obviously a Chiefs offense and a defense that like wasn't particularly great, kind of fell asleep a little bit last week. Yeah, like this has to be Chiefs blowout after kind of the Texans giving it everything they possibly could last week. Again, wish that had happened a week before. Not something that we're like going to war with here, yeah. you know, in contests or with some major bet, but like mm. hard pass on the Texans. Kudos to them for at least kind of showing up last week. But yeah, when is the when have the Texans ever showed up two weeks in a row? I mean, fundamentally, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
Speaking of hard passes, I'd love to give a hard pass on both of these teams involved in this next game here. So we've got the cards at the Broncos and that Russell Wilson INT like pick six last week is just, are we almost at the point where Russ has just got a fake an injury and just like, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's got an injury and that certainly wasn't fake. No, 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 I know that. I'm just saying, seeing that play, I was just kind of like, oh, anyways. Broncos are three-point favorites somehow, and I don't even know how I can utter those words, but I'm guessing that's a defensive play, and also based on the fact that Kyler Murray probably won't be seeing him for a while. But we talk a lot about Colt McCoy, and I know he didn't look good coming in in relief. That's a tough spot to come in on a Monday night. Now give him some time to prepare. I'm a little more okay with taking the points here, and Arizona plus three is going to be my pick here against the Broncos. Well, I'll say I, I, I wish I was in the alternative universe where where um, Wilson doesn't get hurt on that play and you know they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive, right, to sort of salvage the cover. But yeah. I kind of would like to see what would have happened with a kind of low-key cooking Russell Wilson when, you know, unfortunately we were stuck with Brett Rippon on that kind of last <laughs> drive where, you know, again, you're like, just don't totally screw this up. And he didn't, which is, again, allowed us to cover. But, like, down six with Russell Wilson having the ball, having had, you know, four touchdown drives or three mm-hmm. touchdown drives to that point, would have been at least something that I would have been interested in seeing. Yeah. I also would have been interested in seeing Kyler Murray for more than three plays on uh, on Monday. So, like, there's an alternative universe where we got a little bit more bang for our buck, so to speak, with those guys in the game. Kyler Murray not coming back. Russell Wilson potentially coming back. And that's where we have this line here at three, right? This is the Colt McCoy line because the Kyler Murray line is uh, maybe Denver minus one, Denver like uh, you know a half, you know sort of yeah. a, a pick 'em with uh, maybe a little juice on the Denver side of things. If Brett Rippon ends up playing, lines coming back down, right? We're gonna get that same deal that we got when the Jets were playing the Broncos a few, uh, you know, God, it was a couple of months ago now, I think. I, I under so this is the sort of shorter version of the Saints, right? Where the Cardinals season is over there. This is not a prime time game. This is yeah. not a Monday night football game at home. This is not a Kyler Murray's got all his, you know, sort of weapons back. And maybe there's a little gumption here going against Belichick and the, and the, and the Patriots. This is just a road game in Denver, right? Against honestly, a really good defense that did nicely against Mahomes. Colt McCoy and the cards, couldn't do anything against that Patriots defense, even though the Patriots kept giving them the ball, right? Like, cause the Patriots offense wasn't doing anything in that first half. I honestly think if Kyler Murray's in that game, that game might've been a blowout for the Cardinals. Again, that's assuming a lot from a Cardinals offense that isn't particularly good, of course, but you know, I was ready for a Kyler Murray 80 yard running game, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. If the Broncos aren't going to give up any points, I think they can cover this game at minus, you know, there's some two and a halves out there. If you can get the two and a half, take the, you know, hand that two and a half to the cards and dare Colt McCoy on the road to beat you dare Cliff Kingsbury to beat you on a team that is on a short week is dead team walking. There is an alarming amount of teams that are dead team walking with still what four games left in the season. (laughs) The Cardinals are absolutely one of those. And for all of the sort of slander of Wilson and I had to have some tough love, uh, you know, when they were down 27, nothing that I think inspired them clearly last week, as much as we sort of slander him and Nathaniel Hackett, et cetera, et cetera. Like, 
Broncos are still out there trying, man. Like they could have just taken a 40 point beat down by the chiefs and just kind of called it. Maybe they, you know, Corton Sutton potentially comes back this week. Even if he doesn't, Jerry Judy was still like locked in and into it. Hopefully Wilson's good to go and able to play and you can get a minus two and a half with the Broncos. But I think this is Broncos at anything, you know, in the three, two and a half range here, three and a half, you kind of getting a little out of control is why you might want to buy it now. Cause let's be honest, if it's Brett Rippon and it goes to like minus one or pick him and you're sitting there with a Denver minus two and a half, it's not the end of the world, right? Yeah. You're not getting value, but you're like, you're not dying anyway, you know, either. We know the Broncos are going to hold the Cardinals. We know the Broncos are going to kind of hold any team, even if you take out the uh, pick six, you know, the Chiefs only scored, what, 23, something like that, points in that game mm-hmm. from an offensive standpoint. You know, what are the Cardinals going to get? You know, I think it's just another fundamental thing where I just don't think the Cardinals are going to score in this game, not significantly. And again, laying points is a little scary with the Broncos, but... Honestly, I think they're still playing. Yes, yes, they are still playing for sure. Super interesting stuff. I'm interested in your take on our next game, though, which is the Patriots at the Raiders. This is another pick'em game. We're in the pick'em season, apparently, here. Yeah. Um, I'm on the New England Patriots in this one. This might be I'm, – I'm just interested to see the matchup, actually, and what McDaniels <laughs> is going to do against Matt Patricia and Belichick and company. Uh, the Patriots – I was ready to write them off. Can't lie. Wasn't expecting much from them on Monday night. And who knows how that game goes, as you mentioned, if Kyler Murray is still in that game. Not really sure. But in the scenario here, I'm rolling with Belichick and company in a pick game against a Raiders team that's still, I mean, the vibes of losing that game to Baker Mayfield, like some of the losses the Raiders have had this season. Just, wow. Absolutely abomination. Yeah, another dead team walking, right? Like it has, I mean, I know it's sort of simplistic and almost lazy to sort of paint that picture, but like this is the season we're kind of dealing with with some of these teams who keep losing in catastrophic ways. The Saints obviously were, you know, the one we mentioned about earlier, but like what's worse than what the Raiders keep doing, right? 17 point lead blown, like left, right and center, like losing to Baker Mayfield on, you know, two touchdowns in the final 3 minutes against off the street Baker dead, Mayfield. horrific Rams offense, like bad scene there. Yeah, like give me the Patriots, like they're the ones who are in the playoff race here. Like the Raiders are probably a better team. They're probably more talented. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That probably has not mattered when Josh McDaniels is on the job here. This isn't like Belichick just dumping a victory to to McDaniels to make him feel better. The Patriots <laughs> need this. You know what I mean? So yeah, give me the give me the Patriots on the road. They're staying out there, right? Because they're obviously in Arizona, Vegas nearby. They are staying out there, uh, and yeah, they're going to be prepared, ready to go for this game. And honestly, I don't believe that the Patriots are, or excuse me, the Raiders are <laughs> could be described that way. <laughs> Definitely not. The Titans are at the Chargers. Speaking of LA, uh, the Chargers are favored by three points at home. Solid performance from the Chargers last week, which uh, it's always funny on a Sunday night when you see the entire panel go against a team. Love it. Kind of like sounds the alarm when you're on the side of the Chargers. Like, okay, can I just sound off for a second here? Like, just some and then sometimes somebody steps in and is like well i'll go the other way so that we're not on like social media or whatever like mm-hmm. matthew barry starts off by saying you know and like god help us if we're getting betting advice from matthew barry like keep telling us obvious starts and sits uh for our fantasy team oh should i start uh, t higgins should i not um 
he comes in, he's like, oh, yeah, Dolphins by a billion. Like, Dolphins are going to win this thing, you know. I don't know if he saw, like, uh, your man Garrett calling the 30-point win or whatever it was, 40-point win against the Colts. And was like, I'm going to do it up, too. And it's like, man, it's a three-point spread. Like, at least have some, A, sense of what the point spread is. B, some sort of, like, humility about the whole thing. Like, the idea that, like, you know what? Yeah, I like the Dolphins minus three, but, like, you know, I can see a world in which the Chargers cover because, like, they always cover as underdogs, especially at home, right? This is a talented team, even without their good players injured all the time, right? With, by the way, a way better quarterback. Sorry, folks. It's a fact. (laughs) So here's the thing. When it comes to this game, sometimes, Shell, I wonder if you're ever paying attention to what we do here at all. No, I know what you're going to say. I'm fully aware of what's This has Chargers loss or, like... (laughs) game winner at the bell like and then hang on for dear life like written all over it because it's just a different matchup right they knew what to do against Tua right Mm. like they had like Staley had and obviously I think Staley like you know he got the job because he was you know defensive coordinator for the Rams a couple of years ago but it might be because he's really good in pass defense and like he's probably best suited even not necessarily as a defensive coordinator but even like a defensive like backs coach mm-hmm. he just happens to be a, a head coach in, in the league that's not what the titans do they're gonna hit them in the face with derrick henry over and over and marshawn lynch and over and that. over and over it's a different mm-hmm. game here yeah. right like there's no amount of this secondary you know coaching that you're going to be able to do because like the titans aren't going to be bothered with such things right and so this is going to be that same game that you know it's not a Sunday night football game, but like they're all gonna be like these idiots are all gonna be like, yep, Chargers, like across the board, because they saw the Chargers play one game. And honestly, like not really, because I'm I bet on the Titans and I will be on the Titans here, but like it would be nice. This is another Grinch one, right? Where it would be nice if the Chargers won another game here. Be nice if they made the playoffs, because honestly, I think they're live to go a long way in the playoffs because this Chargers team has getting Joe, Joey Bosa back, getting Rashawn Slater, who's apparently like back to like sort of on his way to practice and might be back for the playoffs type of deal. This has Chargers losing in like week 18 and or honestly maybe winning by 40 in week 18 and still somehow missing the playoffs on a tiebreaker, like tiebreaker, which I think they was last year was on a tiebreaker as well. Like, or they make the playoffs and like somehow pull off a run because they don't need to play home games because it's not like they have a home field advantage anyway. Like how interesting would be Kansas city and LA in, you know, the first round of the playoffs in Kansas city, mm-hmm. like the chargers are live to win that game, but totally. it's the chargers plus three with the Titans, you know, run game and, and just Mike Vrabel kind of like coming out of the woodwork here. They haven't played very well in the last few games. Yeah. Like this just reeks of Titans plus three. Love this bet. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm convinced we're, we're switched. We're on the Titans plus three. It's true. This is a Vrabel esque position for them to be in and the chargers. If there is a bouncing back and forth, <laughs> you know, yeah. on the team, off the team, on it. Sure. That might be the Chargers by definition. Yeah. Totally got you. Totally understand the game plan here. Moving on to the Bengals, three and a half point favorites at the Bucks. 
Uh, the Bucks, yeah, there's a team that everyone's hopping off of right now. I mean, it looked like Brady was even hopping off of the Bucks and onto the Niners <laughs> if you saw what was going on post game with all the Niners players giving them love after right. that one. Either way, though, I know that this could be a position where everybody is off of the Bucks, but I just like where the Bengals are at right now as well. And it would take a lot of that for me to lay the extra half point with the hook, and I'm there. It's difficult. Mm. I don't really love it. Yeah, I don't really love it, but I do like where the Bengals are at right now and what they're doing, and I can't, I can't really ride with the Bucks right now. And I know what you're going to say, but that's okay. This is why we do the pod. No, I mean, <laughs> what I'm going to say is that this is a massive downgrade from the Bucks mm-hmm. for the Bucks. But I have to say, like, it's about time, right? <laughs> you know, what yeah. I mean? like our whole point is that the Bucks have been overvalued in the marketplace for this, you know, sort of long period of time. So, you know, where do you sort of land on all of this, right? Do you go, you know, and again, both of these are sort of, I think, viable arguments. You go, well. Tampa Bay was just three and a half point underdogs on the road against San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody has San Francisco rated better than the Bengals. And now they're back home against the Bengals. And it's, a, it's the same point spread. Interesting. That should trigger a Tampa Bay bet. Triggering a Tampa Bay bet though, means we just bet the team that is essentially the worst team against the spread mm-hmm. all season long against the, the Bengals who have essentially been the best team against the spread all season long which on one hand seems like kind of a dumb thing to do (laughs) but on the other hand as you've sort of been talking about with like the toggle back and forth type of thing seems like it's kind of the whole point of this operation where you look at a team that has been sort of undervalued that has got a rating change and a team that's overvalued that is getting a rating change downward and sort of seeing them meet in the middle here and by the way like not really sort of an injury-related type of a deal. The only injuries, honestly, are on the Bengals side of things, where you know T. Higgins infuriated all fantasy football managers, including myself. Didn't matter. I've won anyway. It's okay, folks. Don't worry about me. Um, <laughs> and you know the, the tight ends out, and like Jamar Chase is a little bit banged up, and then Joe Mixon's out, and all of these you know all of these sort of combination of things like. The Bengals are the ones that are kind of, you know, in sort of injury peril. Now we've talked about the Bucks' offensive line being quite offensive at this point, but like, are the Bengals the team that is going to sort of take advantage of that, right? They are not necessarily known for being like sack city, right? Normally when Bengals get, when there's sacks in the Bengals games, it's because Joe Burrow is the one getting sacked. So like conceptually, could the Bucks pressure Burrow? and hang hang around in this game like yeah of course they could because we're not asking them to cover three and a half as you know three and a half point favorites we're not asking them on the road to play the 49ers close who are a much better team than honestly both of these teams we're just asking them to kind of keep it close so it's kind of like the grossest of all the gross bets because it's sort of if we lose it not only are we going to feel dumb because we lost a bet we've lost a bet to kind of ourselves and our opinion of the bucks over the last what six weeks essentially so but like it's not a grinch situation it's more just like a hold your nose or stomach it type of a situation where i think the bucks are the team you're supposed to bet on here it's just a matter of like whether you can actually kind of pull it off yeah you talk about not liking a bet on either side and i'm staring at the sunday night football line and no matter which side i would have told you that i'm going to be on 
I would hate it. So yeah. I'm taking the points here as the Giants are at the Commanders. Commanders are favored by four and a half points. Plum in the Vegas zone. And yeah. I just feel like I have to take the points here. I don't like it on either side. I'm like, really? I'm betting on the Giants? I don't want to do that. But then on the flip side, it's like, do I want to lay four and a half points with the commanders? That's never a place I want to be at. Right. But I'm going to ask you, what do you make of this game? A game that we just saw not too long ago, yeah, but in a different place. The commanders with the, with the, with the schedule of uh, giants by week giants, right? Which is like, <laughs> in theory, an advantage because you don't actually have to prepare yeah. for anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That being said, like, what do you take from that game? A tie, right? Our handicap going into that game was the commanders probably shouldn't be road favorites against the Giants. They, you know, Giants end up covering with the tie. Awesome. Um, The other, the sort of part of the handicap was Daniel Jones, for whatever reason, plays really well against the commanders. He played pretty well in that game, was pretty efficient in that game. And so, listen, just because it was a tie doesn't mean we have to go, well, it was a tie, and then, like, the commanders should get, like, a point for home field advantage, and, like, it should be commanders minus one. Like, no, the line was still two and a half. We all kind of agreed it was two and a half. But the key here is crossing over three, and so it's not just a two-point move going from the Giants to the commanders, which if you say, you know, you sort of did the blind thing where we go, okay, point and a half or two points, through neutral to the other side should be about a three to three and a half point swing. That would mean that this line should be sort of closer to five and a half or six. Problem is the commanders don't have a home field advantage. This is going to be more Giants fans than it's going to be commanders fans, right? And so like, that's why it's not six. And so the fact that it's four and a half when people think it should be six might be sort of coaxing them into taking the commanders here, which is why you're going to see balanced action and this line probably not move uh, from four and a half. Yeah. Where have we seen this four and a half at home for commanders against the Falcons, right? Three or four weeks ago that came down to essentially a final play or an interception by Marcus Mariota, right? If he throws a touchdown there instead, or, you know, the ball lands in the hands of Cordero Patterson after get, after getting deflected, Are we looking at the commanders the same way? Some of these other kind of flukish wins, the road game against Sam Ellinger and the Colts, like the reasons that we liked the Giants at plus two and a half two weeks ago are all the same reasons that we liked the Giants at plus four and a half this week. Yeah, I'm totally right there with you. Makes total sense. And as we close out with Monday Night Football, I got to be honest here, and I'm not sure if this makes any sense at all, but we got the Rams and Baker Mayfield in Green Bay to take on the Packers. Packers seven-point favorites. And I really don't feel comfortable taking the Packers to be laying seven points. But at the same time, what we saw last week from Baker Mayfield, like I can't possibly be falling for that. Like The Rams are done. The Rams are not in a good place. It would only take a team as special as the Raiders to not blow out Baker Mayfield and the Rams right off the street. So in that instance, in Green Bay, give me the Packers. I'll lay the seven points. Yeah, what on holy hell is this line? And why (laughs) are you, if you're a little worried about laying minus seven, why can you lay minus six and a half right this second as of Wednesday afternoon? There are six and a halfs widely available. So you know, switch up that graphic, but don't change the team, change the number because you're on Packers minus six and a half. This is outrageous. Like, 
honestly, I don't, I don't fall too far off at this point in the season on some on these lines. Mm -hmm. I got ten and a half here with the Packers. I got nine with the Packers. If I even started start giving the Rams a little bit more credit and and took away some credit for the Packers, that's beyond the I even even the concept of the Packers having a bye week, which obviously means a little bit more health for Aaron Rodgers, right? When you have that sort of core injury, rib, whatever, like getting two weeks off pretty important right we saw that line come down against the bears two weeks ago they probably should have lost that game out right they certainly shouldn't have covered that game that was outrageous that being said that game kept them alive again in this like stew of grossness in the nfc like the packers are still lingering and now they're getting like you said 57 minutes of the Rams offense was just dreadful. And honestly, if we if it was just 57 minutes of the Rams offense being dreadful, that'd be one thing. It's been like 13 games plus 57 minutes of the Rams offense being dreadful. And that was with Cooper Cup. And that was with Matthew Stafford. That if both those guys played, okay, fine. We're probably looking at something like four points here from a point spread. And nothing from when those guys went out and how lines got adjusted I mean, this is the same line that the Raiders were getting on the road a week and a half ago. Yeah. Let me say that again. <laughs> the Raiders are on the road. Mm -hmm. We're getting the same level of sort of value or credit as the Packers at home off of a bye week with Aaron Rodgers. It's strange. What? Is there a world and people seem into it. Is it playing? Is there no, because I mean, the line no. would be down to like three if that. Yeah, happened. no, that's what I'm just, I'm just right. Curious, like, trying to like figure something out here. Like I don't no, get Aaron Rodgers on a Monday night is is he is playing in that game? Like there's yeah, you're, yeah like the, my guy loves the spotlight and you know God bless him for it. But <laughs> like what is, like and again like you said like the numbers come off of like from seven and a half all the way down through seven to six and a half. Maybe I'm missing something, but you know what? If this happens to be this week's game that I think is cuckoo and have to kind of go out on my own as like the lone person who's going to bet on the Packers, honestly, over and over and over this week as the line keeps dropping, then like, okay, fine. I don't even really love the Packers all that much. But like no. the Rams, like why would the Rams rating go up based on uh, the last three the minutes Raiders. against the Raiders and Josh <laughs> McDaniel? What yeah. are we doing? How's this game not like... I mean, you know, Aaron Donald doesn't play like I got nothing. 40 to 10. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Insanity. No, right there with you on the Packers, my dude. But of course, we all know that a lot could change in terms of who's in the lineup, who's not in the lineup between now and when these games kick off. So in the meantime, between time, where can the people find you online? Yeah, man, at Emrus Authentic on Twitter. Uh, try to retweet everything that I write Uh through uh through the score obviously everybody's got the score app on their phone set your alerts we got things coming fast and furious here we got thursday night football games like you said saturday football games we're gonna get the best bets out early potentially this week we got the first uh, set of bowl games this weekend so i had to throw out some best bets there those lines speaking of lines that are moving wildly and in complete fury of news and notes and injuries and opt-outs and whatnot god what a sweepstakes that is <laughs> um and honestly like we're still cranking stuff out through the holidays yeah so like do me a favor take in the content share the content tell yep. people about sheldon being 30 bleeping games over 500 like spread it around because we're getting to the end of the season here and honestly like it would it would be nice to get a boost in the numbers so that we decide to do this again 
next year or somebody supports us in doing this again next year. And so I'm going to be working right up until Christmas Eve and immediately after Christmas. Shell is the same way. So help us out, spread the word. And when Shell says hit the likes and do all that and subscribes and all that stuff, like be known, make your voice heard. If you yeah. have been listening to this this long and you're 30 games up <laughs> over 500, and honestly, probably more than that because all those nine pushes came mm -hmm. at like worse numbers than were available after the podcast. Like if you bet the Packers at minus seven now, and that ends up pushing, if you grab it at six and a half tomorrow, that's a win that shell yeah. doesn't even count in on his record. So like, get on it, you know, help, help us out here a little bit. And honestly, like respect the fact that my guy is 30 games above 500. Do you know what the funniest part about it all? Like I'll have people that'll be like, Whoa, the picks are doing that well. And it's like, yeah, like the point of us videotaping this and recording this is that it's documented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do the math. Like, <laughs> right. Like, it scrolls around no the way. bottom every week. You but, can, and then the, you know what I mean? And then the, the, the pick goes up and yeah. you can do the math on your own. The thing that makes me laugh though. Sure, changing. You're 33 games up on right? you, 17 and 16, 33. Do, yeah. Do you know what the thing is that makes me really laugh though? It's when, because it, it's the reminder of how many picks are out there week in, week out of people just throwing out picks. And I'm not talking about the like, you know, trying to get in depth information, trying to find better numbers, like all that stuff. I'm talking about people that are just throwing out picks with no actual like keeping score. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've, I do find that pretty funny, but it's a reminder of how much of that does go on. But anyways, yeah. enough of that. Be accountable. I don't that's want to all, talk about it. That's all anybody should ask for, honestly. Like we're gonna have I don't, good years, I don't we're gonna have bad years, et cetera, that, et cetera. Like, my biggest fear is as, well, as, a, as a, the season winds down, I know I'm going to have a blow up week. So I'm okay with that because Shell, the cushion of what's been going on doesn't matter. Yeah, Blowout week all you want. I hope you lose the first two games this week. <laughs> I will be openly cheering against you because my record's pretty damn good too this season. Yeah. And I'm going to have pretty significant bets on those. I hope you get those two games wrong. Why? Because, okay, you'll go 116 and 85 instead. <laughs> and if people complain that those two games that you gave out oh, are wrong, well, yeah. first of all, you told them to listen to me anyway. And two... <laughs> And two, 33 games above 500 at minimum, by the way. Like, and I hope, come on. And I hope that people understand what we're doing here as well. Like, that's my bigger hope that, you know, we're here for the conversation of what's going on. And yeah, I'm throwing out a number and we're talking things out and I'm listening and we'll switch things. We'll switch some things. We won't switch some things. But the main point is the conversation and the dialogue about what you're laying your money on when it comes each and every Sunday. That's really what we're trying to get people to do. Put a little extra thought into what you're doing before you just lay the money down. But either way, we'll be back to do this again next week. Pod drops on Thursdays. It's always safe. If you see us anywhere, bless us with a like, bless us with a retweet. My name is Shell Alexander. You can find me online at Shell Alexander on Twitter, on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And also like and subscribe wherever you get the pods. Because I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast podcast. NFL Picks Edition, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. On Blast.